0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. And dearest Heavenly Father, God, as we talk about how, as families, we can serve you, and I pray that you will guide and lead this conversation today. Send your Spirit to bless us. Bless each family represented here in your name. Amen. One of the downsides to being a pastor is your kids listen to your sermons, and then they want to do exactly what you talked about. And it gets awkward sometimes. I remember this last year preached on how we need to be telling other people about jesus and we got home sabbath afternoon and my oldest Emmett was totally on board and he of course convinced his younger brother and the two of them their plan was to ride their bikes through the neighborhood screaming at the top of their lungs jesus is coming soon jesus loves you and they were going to make sure everybody knew and brianna and i were excited that like this was their inclination we were excited that this was their desire but it wasn't the best method and emmett said okay that's fair but what's the best method
1: we and then kind it of got looked, awkward we kind of looked at each other like hmm how do we help our five-year-old and three-year-old tell people about jesus
0: and it was definitely a humbling moment because as a children and family discipleship pastor, you would think that would be a question I would be equipped to answer. And I wasn't. Like, Because especially when you live in a place like Berrien Springs, we've got people going door to door. We've got all kinds of things that are happening. But what makes sense for kids? What makes sense for families to do Especially when not everybody in the family is an extrovert.
1: So, I'm the introvert. I don't know if you can tell. But, um, you know, the idea of going door to door is not my favorite thing. And I don't know if there's anybody else out there like that. Um, Yeah, okay, good. Some card-carrying members of the introvert club. So, um, we don't... Not everybody is a preacher. And not everybody is a canvasser. And that is OK, because God made all of us different. But it doesn't excuse us from being on fire for God's mission. And that's the thing that um, sort of, I, it took me a long time to come to grips with that. Like, even though I'm married to a pastor and his, you know, his pastoral ministry doesn't cover my responsibility to be a part of God's mission. And it doesn't cover my kid's responsibility to be a part of God's mission. And, um, and so I kind of realized I have to do something. And I have these kids that will talk to anybody and love to talk to anybody. Um, so, can I tell a side story? Okay. So a couple months ago, my kids, while I was washing dishes, because you know those moments when they're playing together really nicely and you feel like i got to make some hay while the sun is shining? So I was doing dishes. The kids are in the front yard, and I have the window open so I can hear if anything really terrible happens. But suddenly they come running to the door, Mommy, 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 look, we've got some money. It's like you got some money and they said yeah we made a we made a potpourri booth they were making potpourri um which they only know about because I am a child of the 90s and my sister and I used to think potpourri was really cool we would make it from stuff we found in the woods and I told my kids the story and they did the same thing and they stood out in the street yelling at people as they walked by potpourri for sale and somebody bought it, guys. So my kids were so excited, and they said, we were trying to, we were trying to sell it for free, but people keep giving us money. So um, they'll talk to anybody about anything, and it, like, and it embarrasses me even when I'm not around. That's how introverted I am. So I, I said, our kids want to drive around the neighborhood yelling to people about Jesus. We have to teach them how so I have to learn how and so we started studying about how to get our family on mission and so today we want to share with you a little bit about that
0: one of the things that I read about and kind of researching this studying it is a pastor from Australia by the name of Michael Bell and Michael Bell had this idea that as Christians we need to live questionable lives we have this idea that People are going to, if we live good lives, people are going to come up to us and ask us, like, you know, why are you so happy? But I've never had that happen. Maybe some of you have, and that's great. But his point was, no, you have got to take this so far that it doesn't make sense. You've got to live a life that is so out of the ordinary that people have to ask what's going on because otherwise... It doesn't make sense. And you think through the Bible, and these stories come to mind. Joseph, little maid, Daniel, the Samaritan woman who, after she encountered Jesus, she brought the whole town back. The demoniac who, like, Jesus cast the demon out, and then next time Jesus came to that region, there were 4,000 people waiting to talk to him. Like These are people whose lives have been so completely changed that people have questions. We don't have that yet, do we? And so what what does that look like in a family? The other thing that we had to process this year is church changed during this pandemic. When all of a sudden we couldn't meet in church, and we had to do things online, and you realize, wait a minute, there's some beauty to this. I don't know what it was like for your church, but at Pioneer, our tithes and offerings went up during the pandemic, when people weren't even coming to church. But the other thing is, is you realize when people aren't coming to church, that the church is not merely a building, it's a body of believers and All of a sudden, we realize we have the ability to be mobile. We have the ability to transform those around us. And the church
1: becomes more powerful. It doesn't work, though, if you view church as a spectator sport. Um, And so we kind of realized in our family, we said, you know what? We need to make sure that um, we're about being the church. We need to be the church wherever we go and with whomever we interact. And um, and we realize, too, that living questionable lives doesn't just mean being, you know, extra weird um, and looking crazy. You know, it doesn't mean that. It means living your life in a way that is questionable, yes, but with people. We have to be interacting with people or they can't question our lives. Does that make sense? We have to be mingling. We have to be we have to be in and around people. so the first um,
0: okay. there 's a slide out of order, apparently <laughs> okay, so another idea that we came across as we were studying is this idea of a missional community, and a missional community is basically a small group that is completely focused on reaching a and the right word isn 't people group but Like, okay, so, for instance, in Berrien Springs, there is a trailer park. This group would say, how can we serve the people in the trailer park? Not just how can we take them glow tracks, and glow tracks are great, but how can we make their lives better? How can we meet their needs? How can we reach them? And so this group completely focuses and pours themselves out into that. And what would it look like if you kind of take that approach of a missional community for your family and say, who can our family take care of? Who can can we reach? Who can we bless? And, And what does that look like? And so this is kind of where Brianna and I came up with this.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say too that that a missional community, and then if you transfer it to your family, a missional family isn't just about, you know, being charitable to a group of people or something like that. It's it's not it's not blessing them from a place of, you know, I have all this and I can share a little bit of it with you, but it's more a place of how can how can we be friends and form relationships and share life with this group of people or this, um, you know, in this area. You might choose your neighborhood. Um, and so it's not just about, you know, we're going to give you money or we're going to give you food, but it's about how are we going to actually spend time and make connections because we know that, um, that faith needs to be relational right? I mean, we've been talking about that all week. It's all relational. And so we need to be forming relationships. So we came up with this approach after reading many models of missional communities. We said, well, for our family, it's got to be a little bit different. So we took elements from lots of different places, and we called our model the bread model, um, because we like bread. Um, And
0: and I mean, everybody got into bread during the pandemic, so it makes, <laughs> makes sense.
1: <Right. laughs> um, so um, so the, first, the first aspect of the bread model to missional... See, we're out of order. We're, we're struggling today, guys.
0: This is our first time presenting this, so clearly we're,
1: Can we're you tell? making some hiccups. All right. <laughs> um, so... The first one is B for bless, and with blessing, it's so much fun because we just decided as a family, and we set this number sort of arbitrarily, three, we try to bless three people a week um, or three groups or whatever. Um, so that might be uh, that might be, you know, just an encouraging word. Sometimes it means... Calling someone up that I haven't talked to in a while and just reaching out and saying, hey, friend, you know, how are you? Let's catch up. I want to listen to what's going on in your life and just chatting for a few minutes. Sometimes it means, you know, baking cookies and delivering them. Sometimes it means um, saying, hey, you know, I know you're having a rough week and you're trying to clean up before your in-laws come over. Can I watch your kids for a few minutes? Um, just anything. It doesn't have to be a giant, elaborate thing, because we're parents. We have other things going on in our lives. We There's a lot happening. And sometimes I'm more of a blessing from staying home with my kids than going over to your house to try to help you, to be honest. Um, if you have three-year-olds or five-year-olds, you know what I mean. Um,
0: but it. this doesn't have to cost any money. It doesn't have to take an immense amount of time. But it's your choosing to make a difference in someone's life that week.
1: And involve your kids in making those decisions. Who are we going to bless this week, guys? What can we do? And sometimes it means your kids, you know, hand draw pictures and we take them to somebody and we say, you know, this is you and a rainbow and Jesus in the picture, even though they might not be able to recognize it. They're blessed. Um, So these are not always, you know, huge things. We're not always, you know, running around our neighborhood giving out, you know, like gift baskets and, you know, amazing baked goods and things like that. But we're just trying to be intentional. And we also decided to be intentional about at least one fellow church member and one non-believer that we're blessing each week um, and I'm gonna be really honest in Berrien Springs we are surrounded our street has like nine houses on it our section of the street and like five of them go to our church um, so sometimes it's hard for us to find non-believers <laughs> to be honest, and we find ourselves not interacting with people who don't go to church with us just because that's the life that we lead. And so we have to be intentional. And part of the motivation for doing this was to be more intentional because we realized, you know what, we're not, we're not being on mission for Christ if we're only interacting with people who are also on mission for Christ, right? We've got to be interacting with other people, and that might not be as much of a challenge for you, but for us, it is a little bit of a challenge, and especially um, for me, because I have a hard time getting out of my comfort zone, and Adventists are my comfort zone. Um, So so we are trying to bless one non-believer, one church member every week, and then the third person is just whatever. Um, So... I was going to read to you Ephesians 4.16 here. It says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And so by just doing something small to bless someone in love, um, that helps build up the body of Christ, right? Right. And it also helps us stretch our bodies a little bit um, to reaching out to others that um, maybe don't know. Um,
0: And healthy growth always happens in two ways. You grow stronger and you grow larger. And often when we talk about church growth, we only talk about growing larger. And that's why I really like the idea of also blessing a church member so that you are strengthening that body as it's growing larger, making it a healthier place for people to join.
1: Um, And then another thing is that we also try to incorporate, um, sometimes we ask the boys, you know, is there a special Bible verse that you want us to write with your picture or something like that? And so we might share something that we've been talking about in our devotions or a verse that we've been working on memorizing together as a family. We might share that in our little um, note or something of blessing, but we're not going out and we're not saying this blessing is you know we're we're in straight up evangelizing people. Um, that's that's the point, yes, but it's also not the point. The point is forming relationships, and so um, but there are different ways that you can incorporate those lessons.
0: The R in bread is for receive and we have got to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit inviting the Spirit to actively work in our lives if if this is God's mission if the body of Christ he's the head we've got to be getting our instruction from him don't we and so often we we have everything formulated we have our five year plan we've got everything worked out and we never paused to ask for his leading. I I remember it was about a year ago and um, we had some disciplinary issues with our oldest and so he and I got in this habit when we all had to be home all the time of we're going to go for a walk and we're going to walk and we're going to talk this through. These were not happy walks. These were walks of doom, where we, like, wrestled with it and talked about, like, what he had done and what the consequences should be. And, like, and we are going on one of these walks, and we're walking through the neighborhood, and some neighbors who we had never, ever met had a giant poster board in their window saying... It's a girl. And they had clearly just had a baby in the midst of the pandemic. And so I got excited, mostly because I'm an extrovert and being home with just the family all the time, I needed to talk to other people. And so I went and I knocked on their door. And, you know, we kind of introduced ourselves. And I am not the type, like... I like talking to people, but I'm not the type, you know, I sit next to people on the plane. I don't say, hey, can I pray with you? But for some reason that day, I said, hey, can, can we pray with you? And they were so excited. And we prayed with them. And what completely blew me away is months later, I run across our neighbors again, and they said, you know, that prayer you did with us was so special. And allowing the Spirit to direct you and to point you and to derail you. We've got to be doing that. We we have this wonderful theme for camp meeting, like how much more (laughs) does the Father want to give us the Holy Spirit? But are we making room for that to direct our lives? To shift us to have us talk to people that we wouldn't necessarily. Because if we are going to be missional families, the Holy Spirit has got to play a role in that.
1: And we try to involve our kids, too, in this aspect, um, because sometimes it's easy for us, you know, in our own personal devotions and things like that, to, to ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us and... But we've been really trying to incorporate that with our children as well and saying, you guys, this week, we don't know. Sometimes we say, we don't know who we're going to bless this week. We don't know who we're going to talk to this week. But let's pray for God to send us someone that we can help or for God to give us an idea of, of what we can do for someone. And we ask our kids to be involved in asking for the Holy Spirit to to lead us, because we don 't you know it's not like we have a list of like we're going to do this, 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 and this, we don 't we're trying to depend more on the Holy Spirit to lead us and teach our kids to do the same thing because if they don't see um, his work, it's really hard to pass that knowledge on right if we're if we're asking for the Holy Spirit privately. Um, our kids aren 't seeing the whole process they 're not seeing us ask for that and they're not they 're not going to see they 're not going to put the pieces together as well as if we include them in that asking
0: and, and i 'm sorry, but I personally believe that God does something special when it comes to kids. I remember I was doing um Devotions with my youngest this last year, and we talked about helping people and said, hey, let's pray that God will send someone for us to help. And again, this was when we were all stuck at home. Like, this was during the, like, do not leave your house time.
1: Full lockdown time. And, like,
0: that was not a wise thing to, like, pray with your three-year-old. But we prayed it. And we were having lunch, and somebody knocked on our door needing help to start their car a few houses down.
1: When we, like. And it, and it took Arlo about, I don't know, three milliseconds to put it together. Yeah. You know, our three year old said, Daddy, our prayer is answered. You know, and we were so happy that lady couldn't start her car, but, um, <laughs> but she was an answer to our prayer. Um, and we were able to help her, too. Yeah. But. <laughs> but
0: when we get our kids involved in mission, when we raise them looking for people to help and asking for the Holy Spirit, God's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to show up. Um, this is Luke 11, 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father and the Holy give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Like, if you think about how much you want to do for your kids, how much more does God want to do for them?
1: The E in our bread model is eat. Um, So this is the one that's easiest for me to get on board with. I love food. Um, And and Ben loves cooking, so it works out great. Um, But we decided that we would eat with people. Now, I will say that during the pandemic, we definitely did not make our eating with three people a week um, quota, um, and sometimes it's hard, but we decided that we would seek out three people to eat with each week um, because there is something special about sharing a meal, isn't there? There's something special about sharing a meal. And that's why it's important for families to share meals together. But it's also important for um, your family to share meals with others as well. Um, and actually, um, side note, Barna did some research about um, spiritually vibrant families a couple of years ago. And one of the, one of the hallmarks of a spiritually vibrant family is hospitality, um, they said that, that families that show spiritual vibrancy um, and that's, you know, just really um, remarkable health on all these spiritual levels were families that, that invited others into their home. Um, and often the easiest way to do that is to share a meal, right? And sometimes it doesn't have to be in your home. Um, it can be outside. It can be, you know, you can meet somebody at a, a restaurant or something like that or take a picnic somewhere. Um, but we decided that we would seek out three different people each week to have a meal with. And we said, again, at least one of these needs to be a member of our, of our church or our faith community and one needs to be a non-believer. And as you can imagine, it kind of pushes us a little bit out of our, out of our comfort zone, out of our routine, a little bit just to, um, just to get that in. But, but you can invite all three of these people together. It doesn't have to be, I mean, you're thinking, I need to have three guests over a week. It's, it can be very overwhelming. And, you know, um, that sounds like a lot. But it also doesn't have to be, you know, a meal that you cook three times. Um,
0: and it, it doesn't even have to be a whole meal. I mean, you can say, hey, let's get a donut together. You can start small, Mm -hmm. but there is something, when you sit down and you're eating with someone, you're equals, and it's no longer, uh, you know, me, like, helping you, but we're we're on the same level here. We're equals, and that's what was so beautiful about Jesus sitting down and eating with sinners.
1: And having something in your hands that you can put into your mouth every once in a while somehow takes the awkwardness out of, you know, a new meeting or a new get-together, especially if it's somebody that you don't know very well. I don't know, it's just so much harder to just sit down with nothing, right? But if you have, you have some food or you have a glass of lemonade or something like that, it just really helps, I don't know, somehow, for me anyway, ease the awkwardness. Um, so, so we've been trying to do that. And sometimes that means me and another mom get our kids together for a picnic at the park. Sometimes it means we have a family over for Sabbath afternoon lunch. Sometimes it means that we um, say, you know what? We'll bring, um, we'll bring the veggie burgers if you bring the fixings and you know, we meet at somebody's backyard. Um, it doesn't have to be you know, like a red carpet event that you invite people to, and it's a formal affair in your dining room. It doesn't have to be that. Um, but we have learned so much about people. And actually, the neighbors that um, that Emmett and Ben prayed for with the new baby, we ended up sharing a meal with them um, not too long after that, and really getting to know them a little bit better. And and spending that time with them was so much fun. And You know, they asked us a lot of questions about our church. They asked us a lot of questions about why we were vegetarian. Um, Feed people a vegetarian lasagna, and you get a lot of questions. And so so we just found it to be a great opportunity because we didn't sit down and say, let us tell you about where we go to church. You know, let's talk about being vegetarian. We didn't do any of that. We just fed them the food that we eat, Because that's all we know how to make, and we we talked with them and kind of shared a little bit about our lives as as people do when they're getting to know each other, and it's been so fabulous to have a new friend in our neighborhood um, that you know that we just we lived near them for a while and we didn't know anything about them, but because um, the Holy Spirit led. And um, Ben and Emmett listened that first time. We've been able to start a new friendship with them, and it's just been such a blessing to our family. Um, it's even though we were trying to bless them, <laughs> they've been a blessing to us as well because they've taught us a lot. Um, so I was going to read Matthew chapter nine, verse ten. As he sat. D- At dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. Jesus shared meals with people. um, And he didn't just share meals with people who agreed with him or who followed him. He shared meals with people of all walks of life, and he spent time with them. He got to know them. He let them get to know him. And if we are getting to know our Savior and we're also getting to know other people, then that's going to make it so much easier to pass along those relationships, right? And we're teaching our kids, too, that we can share our lives, we can share a meal with people, and, and be friends, and make those connections, and it can lead to conversations about Jesus. And that's what we really want our kids to learn.
0: The A in bread is for acknowledge. And this is just spending that time reflecting on how God is at work in your life. And I am not a writer. I don't journal, but it's finding one way that works for you so that you are able to trace God's hand and see how it's been at work. Because so often in life, we... We forget how God has led us in the past. We forget the things he has taken care of us for. We forget all of the things, all of the prayers he's answered. And so when we're ready to step out in faith, we don't have that foundation because we haven't been paying attention to what he's done. And so I think that if we are going to live questionable lives, if we are going to have missional families that are stepping out further, that we've got to be cognizant of what God has done. And as this is unfolding, keep track. Talk about it as a family over dinner. Pay attention so that your kids are seeing God is real. God is at work. I think that raising kids who know and believe in God Part of that has to be raising kids who have seen God at work. And as pastors, as church leaders, so often we limit to God to what we can manage. And it's time for us as a church, if we truly believe Jesus is coming soon, we've got to step out beyond what we can do. So that the only way this can happen is if God is part of the process. And living like that as a family, too. I mean, can you imagine at the end of the day, every single day, being able to say, like, man, God showed up today. We saw him. And he longs to. But we're not giving him the opportunity because we live in worlds that we can completely control. Psalm 34, verse 8 reads, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in Him. And we need to acknowledge what God has done. We need to experience Him in our lives, in our families.
1: I do want to say that I'm not a journaler either, so usually my journaling these things means reading one sentence. Um, I have a list. It, so it doesn't have to be something that, you know, takes a lot of time. Um, but, you know, a date and what happened and, and that's it. But it's, it's so good to keep a record. And just like everything else that I've said this week, when you write it down, it makes it that much more real in your mind, right? And it helps you to remember it better. And then you have a record if you don't remember. Um, but if the whole family can be involved... It's, it's such a blessing.
0: And I love, I mean, if you have young kids, it's awesome and exciting to see as they're discovering the world and watching them discover God, asking them, what did you see God do today? They will see things that you missed. And it's good. It's good for our own faith to do this.
1: Um, I'm going to read for, for Discover, the D in bread. I'm going to read the verse John 141 first. So it says, um, it says, He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. Now, um, when they found the Messiah and they realized it was him, that was an amazing experience, Right. To see Jesus in the flesh and know that he was the Savior. Um, We haven't had that same in the flesh experience. But we have got to be discovering Jesus. And we've got to be able to say, we have found the Messiah. And so we've talked a lot about this already this week with, you know, personal Bible study, spending time. In, your, in the Word, digging in and, and finding something. Um, ben talked about finding your anchor for the day. Study until you can find that anchor that helps you hold on to Jesus throughout the day, right? Um, we've got to be taking the time to discover God in the Word. And, um, and all of these different things that we've talked about, blessing and receiving the Holy Spirit and eating with people and acknowledging what God has done already in our lives, all of this helps us discover him in little and tangible ways throughout the week if we're being intentional. Um, but we cannot do any of this unless we're discovering him, unless we're finding him, right? Because if we're not finding him, we can't connect others to him.
0: I love this quote from Ellen White, and I'm sure it's one most of you have heard before. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to the needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. I love the Seventh-day Adventist message. I love the precious truths we have, the picture of God that it gives us. I love these things. But so often we start with, follow me. And because we're so focused on the message that we miss the people. Jesus, on the other hand, he made it clear he loved the people and that's why he had the message for them. And what I love about this bread model is it is raising your family and teaching your family to focus on those around you. How can you bless someone? How can you invite them into your life? How can you be a part of it? This Barna research that Brianna talked about, how hospitality was such a huge thing, this baffled me. Because they looked at several different tiers. Those who, like sometimes went to church and had no devotional, prayer life, worship life at home. Those were the least vibrant, which makes sense. The next category was those who regularly went to church but still didn't have a lot of that devotional life or prayer life at home. That makes sense. And you would think the next group, the one that always went to church, they had worship at home, they had devotional lives, they had prayer, you would think those would be the most vibrant ones, but no, there was still that next level, and those were those who were also inviting people into their homes. And I had to wrestle with that, why? Because it it wasn't something that fit into everything that I understood, but it, it made sense because when you invite other people into your home... You're giving life to your beliefs. All of a sudden, your kids are able to see this is what Christianity actually looks like. It's no longer just a set of beliefs. It's it's who you are. And Christ's method alone is that same thing. It's living that life. Saying, okay, this is what I believe, so... How can I take care of his children? How can I bless the people around me? How can I invite them into my home and share with them? Because our goal is not just eternity. It's eternity with them. Because he died for them. And how in the world can we claim to believe these things and not tell them? And I love that story in 2 Kings where you've got... The lepers who discover that the battle has been won and the enemy is gone, and yet there's a whole city of people dying because they don't know, and they say, if we don't tell them, we're guilty. If we're not reaching those around us, we're guilty. And we've got to stop pretending that this is merely the job of a pastor because that's not working, that's not cutting it. We've got, if we can mobilize our families, not only do we make a huge difference right here and now, but we raise a generation of kids who grow up with a different picture of what the Seventh day Adventist Church is. We raise kids who grow up thinking that to follow Jesus means you love his children and you're telling people about him. Because after all, Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I made those alls bold. Who are we to tell? All nations. What are we to tell them? Everything. And where's God in this? He's going to always be with us. But there's one more all that isn't there explicitly. And that is who is this commission for? You see, if their mission was to make disciples, then what becomes the mission of those new disciples? to make more disciples. And those disciples then are tasked with making more disciples. And that goes on and on until we get here today. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, if we want to raise our children to be disciples of Jesus Christ, then we have got to be telling other people about Jesus. We have got to be raising our children to not only be disciples, but be disciple-makers. If we believe that Jesus is coming soon, we've got no other choice. So I know that, and we're going to take time for question and answer, but as a pastor, I kind of get on a roll. And I also believe that we need to make decisions. So we will send you, like this bread model in what we're sending out. But if if you and your family want to say, okay, you know what? We're going to give this a try. We're going to see what we can do to be a missional family. Will you stand? And I realize that, you know, maybe your spouse isn't here and you probably should talk to them. But will you, will you at least commit to talking to them and saying, okay, I want to do the best we can. dearest Heavenly Father, as we can hear the rain pouring outside, we can feel the rain of your spirit here. If you were able to change the world with 12 disciples... Imagine what you could do with these 30 families. Imagine how you can turn Michigan upside down. So God, I pray that you will pour your spirit out on these families, that you will bless these decisions, and that you will never let us ever be the same. Because we have tasted and seen that you are good. In your name. Amen.
1: <clears throat> I did want to say one more thing, but it seemed rude to interrupt your sermon. No, I, I think um, it can sound overwhelming um, to do all of this. And one thing that I want to say to you as a real-life mom who does not have it all together, if you are concerned that your house needs to be immaculate, and everything needs to be perfect, and your meal needs to be amazing and all of these things and i 'm not waking up every morning with a perfect home and my plate cleared, and nothing to do but amazing things for the people around me that that 's not real life, at least not at my house um, and Sometimes we fall short of our goals um, and and it's not meant to be. A rigid rule by which you must live your life, but it's meant to be something to think about and help you be intentional, not something to beat yourself up and say, oh, I only blessed two people this week or, you know, I, I, we ate with three people, but, you know, none of them were non-believers or, you know, I mean, this is not something for you to be, like, holding yourself to, you know, a legalistic standard. This is... This is you making an effort and being intentional with your family. It's not you being perfect and being amazing and being the best cook on the block and having everybody over all the time. So just, but, just so you know.
0: But again, this is one of the beautiful things about partnering with God is you can put the ball in his court and say, Hey, God, if there's a family you want us to eat with this week, let us know. And if it doesn't happen, then you can say, well, he didn't have one for us this week, but we're going to keep moving. Like, and so you can trust him to help you. But here's the thing about God. When you ask him for things like that, you better have bought groceries already.
1: <laughs> um, but yes, but that's another thing, too. I mean, be willing to serve a meal with whatever's on your shelf. I mean, the, the goal is not to impress people with your amazing food, the goal is to spend that time with them, talking, sharing, and you know, hopefully it's edible, but if not, maybe you can laugh about it. I don't know. Um, But you know, there's always popcorn, right? Um, So I just think, you know, we, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be, you know, amazing hosts and think like, well, I better have everything perfect. But, you know, a lot of times... Um, real people are a much better witness to what Jesus is doing in our lives than, um, people who are trying their best to appear perfect, um, because it's really hard to relate to perfect people. Um, it's really easy to relate to people who, you know, have a little bit of mess in their living room. It's, it's easy to relate to people who, you know, sometimes Burn stuff I don't know um, it's easy it's for me it's easy. <laughs> I can relate to that um, so you don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself to you know to achieve all of these things it's not it's not so much a to-do list as a list of things to do to just be intentional about
0: and I mean, at the end of the day, your goal is not to impress people with how awesome you are It's to Impress them with how awesome God is. And so, when you open up your home to someone, people feel that. It, it means something.
1: So, I think now we're ready for questions. Yeah, Yeah. I have to admit, when we talk about all these things, it feels overwhelming
0: to think, how am I going to homeschool my children, and also help them this, live this kind of life that is more important than even the
1: homeschool. Uh, can you address, like, that? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think my advice always when you're starting something new is to start small. So you don't have to do, you know, three people a week And you don't have to do all five parts of the bread model at first. You can choose, what do I want to start with? What seems the most doable to me right now? And make one small step in that direction. Um, And so that's what I would say. And when you get comfortable with that, push yourself to do a little bit more. Say, what's the next thing that I can do? Um, So maybe that means you're finding one extra person to bless. In your week, and you're saying, kids, you know, um, you know, maybe in your homes, I don't know what age your kids are, but a great way to learn math is by cooking and measuring ingredients. So maybe you cook something in math class to practice your fractions, and say, guess what? We're gonna double the recipe. That's multiplication. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna double it, and we're gonna find somebody to share it with. So you pray about that, and that's what you do. I mean, um, these things, they could be incorporated. You could say, we're going to write letters to someone. You can get a list of people in your church who can't leave their homes, um, and you can write that as part of your homeschool, as part of um, language arts. Or handwriting. Um, you know, I'm a teacher, so I could go on all day. Okay. <laughs> um, this, is, this stuff gets me really going. It's like, you know, Ben and his sermons and me and my teaching. So, um, so I mean, little ways. Okay. So I would say it, it does sound like a lot. And like I said, we don't achieve our goals every single week. And, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and that's okay, because this is not, you know, these are not the Ten Commandments. We're, we're just doing our best to be intentional, and it helps to have goals when you're being intentional about something. So start small, do, it, do what sounds the easiest first, and work up from there. Any other questions? Do you guys have, like, a meeting every week, or is this, like, part of your devotional time with your kids where you're, like having a bread meeting of you know what what this week's going to look like and what your intentions are or like ideas of who you're going to reach out to or is it just kind of something organic that happens throughout the week that you just kind of pray about and let the lord bring people to you it's it's definitely more organic for us although having a bread meeting sounds like a really good idea that we've never even thought of so thank you for that um yeah we just kind of talk about it as we go we'll say you know our kids will say oh can can we you know make something for this person cuz they think about it um you know once it becomes a little bit something that you've done intentionally then the kids will start bringing it up to you and they'll say you know my oldest always is like he's so casual he's like i've been thinking maybe we should um take something over to the shermans or you know like he he like kind of like very casually like mentions it and And we say, oh, wow, that's a great idea. And so then we think about what we're going to do. Or um, we'll say, oh, it's been a long time since, you know, we've had these people over. Um, What should we have for dinner? So we just kind of include them. And then, you know, during our worship times and um, things like that, we talk about um, what, what God has done, how we've been able to help somebody, how we felt the Holy Spirit. So very, like, throughout the day, kind of like no set time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be just as simple as we've got these bananas that are going bad. Let's make some banana bread. Who should we take it to?
1: Anybody else? Okay, well, um, we just want to thank you for being here um, today. And many of you have come to other meetings, too. And we just really appreciated having an audience because it's really hard to speak to no one. Um, (laughs) So thank you for saving us from that. Um, And... I think everybody's gotten a chance to, to put your email down for us. But if you haven't, um, we'll, there's a clipboard in the back and you can, um, you can sign your email address um, and we'll send you the resources for, from the whole week.
0: Actually, I just wanted to take this time. To, I received very sad news from a member of our church that said she's pregnant of twins and her husband died this morning. And I just wanted to see if we could pray for this family. Because it's very, for me, shocking, like shocking news. So I wanted to pray for them and the family. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.